Welcome to the PR Moment Podcast. Produced in association with the Marketeers Network. Welcome to the PR Moment Podcast. It's a weighty topic this week on the show. We're going to be looking at some research from Golin called the Polarization Index. In essence, as I understand it anyway, this research looks to investigate which topics polarise modern society. To talk about this, we've got Johnny Bentwood, who's Global Head of Data and Analytics at Golin. Before we start, just to tell you about PRMoment's new patron scheme, details are on the PRMoment.com homepage. But if you are a regular consumer of our content, including this podcast, and you're getting value from it, if you fancy making a contribution to help fund the show, now you can. We have three different tiers, the Danny Parker tier, the Chadlington tier, and the Edward Bernays tier. Also, the PM Moment Awards final entry deadline is coming up. You've got until the 28th of January to get your entries in. And finally, thanks so much as ever to our PM Moment podcast sponsors, the PRCA. Johnny, welcome to the show. Hi there. Thank you for inviting me. Pleasure, Johnny. So come on in. Just, um, it's interesting stuff, this, this polarisation index research, isn't it? Just... Um, how does it potentially anyway change our thinking about how people are, are forming their views uh, in the modern society in which we all live? Well, we've sort of lived in this perfect storm where polarisation has happened. Historically, people formed their opinions by their family, who they socialised with. But people were stuck at home, as everyone knows, unfortunately. And what happens when they had those more extreme views? In the past, they would have been talked down by their friends and family. But what's happened recently, they've looked for affirmation online. And where they were previously a minority, they're now finding themselves as a majority in their opinion. And people living in these echo chambers that reaffirm their views. And this is a fundamental shift, how people think and behave. So people are becoming more extreme, in essence, or, or there is a danger that people become more extreme in their views. I would say it's less. A, it's more of a case of people believe their views are no longer extreme. They've become normalised. Right. So, for example, if people have doubts about COVID vaccines, there's plenty of research and evidence out there that doubts the efficacy of COVID vaccines. It may be a minority in a huge scale of things, but for people who are looking to find information that they want, it's there in abundance. Right. So this is a a trend that was already already around pre-COVID from social media and digital media, but COVID's probably accelerated it. Is that is that kind of what you're thinking? Because we've all been locked up indoors. It has always been around, but COVID has accelerated it. But there was a research done by the World Economic Forum just before Davos, and they said that this area, it's the second most, second biggest area that they worry about in both the medium and long term. And that's why PR professionals need to pay attention to it, because polarisation at its heart is a critical communications problem. And it's fueled by partisan media and political strategists. It can ruin relationships, incite violence and impedes progress on solving social problems. And this poses a risk for companies, brands and society. OK, go on. Then. Just talk me through um, 
the nuts and bolts of the research um, briefly, I guess, because it's a, I know it's been a, a project that you've been doing for about a year, so uh, we won't be able to cover it all. But um, uh, just give us an insight into, I, I suppose, the, the top line, the top line stuff. Sure thing. Well, what we're not interested in people, what people are just saying by themselves on Twitter. What we've got is a team of analysts, some right-leaning, left and central, who work for Adfontis Media, who categorised all the different media outlets in terms of bias and accuracy, whether it's fact-based, opinion editorial based on misinformation. We look whether it's right-leaning and left-leaning. And then we look at the most significant issues and analyse the specific actions by individuals who share that content. And on the 10 most significant issues alone, that was 60 million actions in the past year alone. That's far better than a survey of a thousand people who's meant to be representative of Genpop. And what we do is we look at the engagements on those issues from right and left, feed it into the algorithm that pops out a score. And it pops out a score for right-leaning bias and left-leaning bias combined with the accuracy aspects of it. And if we combine those scores together, for right and left, it gives a polarisation score for that number. Or if we aggregate all 10 of those major issues, it gives us a polarisation index score for the world at large. Okay. So do the topics that cause polarisation change like, over time and I suppose, and, and between region? Obviously, they must do between region. I know this, this is a, re, a US piece of research, wasn't it? So I... Um, Originally, USC Annenberg sent out a survey saying, what are the most significant issues impacting polarisation? And people gave their responses like immigration, policing policy, racial equity, uh, voting integrity. But they also put one in there like marijuana uh, legalisation. Now, that was a big issue when the survey came out. Now it's a non-issue. A year ago, abortion didn't feature, but now it's a huge issue. So you need to think of this like the consumer price index. You've got a basket full of shopping goods and you add all the price of those shopping goods together and it gives you an idea about inflation, how much things cost. Well, we do the same thing. We look at the 10 most significant issues and we can easily add some and drop some. But the important thing is we we are measuring the most significant ones and we have the flexibility to quickly add and remove as necessary. And so let's so give us a, an example of, of one. We'll talk about them in, in a moment, but just give us an example of, of one polarize, polarization issue that, that, that is currently um, a, a problem. Well, the most significant one is immigration. Okay. So let's look at immigration. What talk us through that as a bit of a case study about how this how this works? We've got it, it, does immigration to the left and to the right cause similar amounts of polarisation or, or is, it, is it more a problem for different types of people? That's a very good question. You see, in this case, uh, the actual immigration number is pretty high. We're looking at a level just over 100. But if when you, you say number, that, that's its polarisation score. That's the polarisation score. Okay. Um, if you look at how that's brought out, it's 78.4 from right-leaning media and 23.6 on left-leaning media. So Did this is 78.4 from right-leaning. 78.4 on the right and 23.6 on the left. Okay. Now, I call that unilateral polarisation, and that's determined by a lot, of con- a lot of people on the right-hand side really pushing this, not so much on the left. But if you look at the reliability, what I found fascinating, and I said you've got the 
not it's not only right or left, but it's fact-based, opinion-based, and misinformation-based. 61% of all the content that was shared and acted upon was from low to mid-reliable media. And that's a huge amount. And if you ask people what do they read, they may not talk about reading this quite low reliable stuff, but they'll very happily share their headlines. And this is what people do. This misinformation is getting dispread widely because that aligns with their views. So whereas you've got some like immigration, which is unilateral, you've got others such as racial equity, which I call bilateral. And this is a long-term issue that where people on the left and right are both equally passionate about. Now, on the other hand, you've got voting integrity, which is fascinating, especially if you have a look at it in the States, because when Donald Trump was contesting the election, the whole aspects of the scores with voting integrity was massively put on the right-hand side in the scores of the 70s and 80s. But after he, um, after Biden came in, voting integrity dropped to 17 points on the right-hand side and grew conversely to 82 points on the left-hand side. Because as, P as Republicans started trying to force laws through that would make it harder to vote, it got far more polarizing on that side. So this variable polarization is incredibly important. And what we're finding is we're getting these people called conflicts entrepreneurs who are making money by stoking this tribalism. And that is something that communication professionals need to be wary of. Yeah. And I was going to come on to it in a minute, but the, the different types of polarization, is it, are they either unilateral or bilateral or are there, or are there, are there some others? There's three types. Unilateral, where it's all on one side. Bilateral, where it's equally spread. And variable, where it flips from one side to the other, that swing vote, you could argue, which is what we got with voting. When, when Trump was in, it was quite a far left-hand side thing. And when Biden came in, it was the other side. OK. And the danger here is that people, either by choice or they get sucked into echo chambers, in essence, and therefore we just see ever-grating polarisation amongst an issue. It's quite scary, really, because... If you have a look about, if you track the scores and then you place it in moments in time, what we have found is that when you get a score of 90 or above, you're in danger territory. Okay. And what happened when we've been in danger territory? Well, we've had people marching and storming the Capitol in the States. We've had marches around Black Lives Matter. We've had protests around abortion. When you get these extreme measures, actually things do happen. And it becomes quite scary. I was hoping that when Biden got elected uh, and the score for polarisation aggregated went from 85 points to 81 points, I thought, great, it's going down. That was in Q1 this year. By Q2, it had gone up to 82 and a half and it's rising further. And this is, unfortunately, this is not something that's going to go. Polarisation is not a short-term thing. And for companies, they are getting pulled into the debate. And it's quite scary because normally they would never want to discuss it, but now they have to. That's right. You don't think it's a choice. Can they choose which topics within that, that sort of polarisation bucket they might want to engage in, or is it not as simple as that? I wish it was as simple as that. I mean, you need to have a level of authenticity to have a right to speak. 
but sometimes you have no choice. Let me give you an example. Um, in Texas earlier this year, there were laws put in to make it difficult to get an abortion. In fact, anybody assisting somebody in having an abortion could get sued. Now, you had companies like Uber and Lyft who would never talk about abortion because this is a hot topic that no company wants to talk about. This, they want to talk about getting person A um, from place A to place B. They don't want to talk about abortion, but they found their drivers could potentially could be sued. And they said, you know what, if that happens, we will cover your full legal costs. So they got involved in the abortion discussion when they never normally would. And what happened as a result? Well, their share prices went up by coming out and discussing this, which is incredible. And we've seen various other things about um, companies uh, putting, um, talking about Black Lives Matter and trying to show racial equity and how it works. And the companies that were putting their names forward, well, they got some great uh, attention and got some boycotts, but it, they, they never normally would discuss these things, but now they feel they're obliged to. And I think one of the reasons being, it's sort of backed up from a survey that Forrester did in April this year. And they said, when choosing between two similar products from two different brands, 43% of adults would favour the one that takes a stand on shared political values. Right. And I find that fascinating. It is. I always wonder how much price and distribution and all the rest of it comes in. But yeah, that's a, yeah it, is, it is an interesting one. You talked to it briefly. Can we just go back? A little bit. There's the inner geek in me. How are we measuring polarization? Because I think that's. I just want to just talk a little bit about that because I think that's really interesting. Sure. I'll break it down Barney style. So the first thing you need to do is make sure you're calculating and looking at every single media outlet. Within those, they need to be scored according to how accurate they are, or they're providing misinformation. And we need to understand just how biased they are. Are they extremely right-wing or just partially so? So each media outlet is given a score. We then have a look at all the issues that our people talk about. And within those issues, how many are shared? And when they are shared, we take that number because that's an action. I'm not interested in the most popular stories about who, what stories have got the most publications. I'm looking at what's got the most actions. And they're not always the same. So I look at all those engagement numbers from one side, the right wing, and all the engagement numbers on the left-hand side, put it through the algorithm which looks at the weighted importance of their bias and accuracy, and it gives me a score. When I combine the right and the left together, that gives me a polarisation index for that particular issue. Okay. What's fascinating is when we look at these same issues grow or decline over time. And presumably the most polarizing topics tend to be the ones that are shared the most though i would have thought so but it's not actually right. um for example climate change has got the most content written about it but it's around eighth place when it comes to the it's the most popular but not the most polarizing okay so we shouldn't confuse popularity with polarizing right and I know this is US-based research, and to be fair, this is a, a, the most amount of readers for, the, for this podcast are, are UK-based. Um, 
so the polarization themes i'm sure will be different for the uk than than what this report identifies but it's interesting just to to talk about them in the context of that anyway just what what are those 10 polarizing themes that you've you've got from this research which um as i say from the us certainly and look as a brit i know how frustrating it is how people think that the us is the world it's not but there is certain echoes and we are planning to move this around the world and do it in other countries as well but the 10 most significant issues at this moment in time are immigration policing policy racial equity gun legislation voting equity covid vaccines abortion climate change healthcare reform and the minimum wage okay. and when i came into this i thought it would be all right leaning media I'm a lefty liberal. What was surprised me, though, is out of those 10 issues, eight of them were driven by polarization content on the left-leaning media. It was only immigration and policing policy that was on the right-hand side. So this is not a right issue. It's actually a combined issue from every side. Um, so cool. I think what we need to realize is that what this does and what we can do. Well, the polarization index is here to inform leaders. It will measure political divide and will help calculate the polarization of controversial issues in terms of bias, misinformation, engagement. And because it tracks changes, it can help reduce organizational risk because at its heart, as I said before, polarization is a communications problem. And it's going to continue. It's going to continue at high levels and it's going to continue to promote divisiveness. And what we've seen is that this misinformation fuels the hottest topics and we can't just sort of launch this and stop. It's a live thing. And I love big data, as you know, and we can update this in seconds because it's a live program. We don't have to rely on surveys. So as controversial issues evolve, we can bring in new areas. We can overlay it just with brands and see how it impacts them. Or we can see what emerging issues will come out. And so business will have to play an important role. As I said before, they can't stay out of this at times. They are brought into it. So more brands will engage and more CEOs will speak out. But at least we can use this to help understand the problem, because in the past we weren't able to. Just you said there, polarization is a communications problem. I'm sure it is, but it's also a societal problem, isn't it? It's and I, I, I agree with you. It's not. It's not going to go away. The, the, the social media and, and modern society seems to seems seems to have exaggerated it. But it's it's something that's um, not great that we that we, we, we're all having to live through, isn't it? Oh, I, I find it sickening, in fairness. Um, but at its heart, it's a case of where do facts, do we believe in facts and the people who supply those facts? And that is a communications area. I mean, the whole issue about what do we want to do has been going, I remember doing stuff with Microsoft 20 odd years ago when they did a campaign called Get the Facts because people were buying uh, Microsoft or Linux or Apache or uh, Macs based on emotions, not based on facts. And what we're finding is just as much as that was a communications issue then, it's even more so now, but we're going beyond brands, we're going among the issues that fuel society. 
Right. Johnny Benwood, thanks so much for coming on the show. Nice. Really enjoyed it. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, one more thing. If anybody wants to know more, if they go to the polarizationindex.com, they can download the full report there. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to the PR Moment podcast, produced in association with the Marketeers Network. If you'd enjoyed the show, please do review us on iTunes and give us a decent rating.